Hello, this is Swami Janeshwar. This recording is from a talk entitled First Cause No Harm at the Center for Non-Dualism at the time of the transition to a new year. It goes into the subtler meanings of the process and practice of ahimsa or non-harming. Please also see the website at centerfornondualism.org as well as the site swamij.com. I hope you enjoy the message. What to do? (laughs) (laughs) On our scheduling ahead, who's doing what when? My name was there on this date some time ago, and I had in mind, doesn't matter what it was, but something that was going to be, you know, deep and philosophical and insightful and practical and all that sort of wrapped into one. And then out of nowhere, about three weeks ago, I wasn't sitting around thinking about it. I wasn't writing the other thing or, or doing anything. This phrase just, it's, it's not a unique phrase, but it came through my mind and through my heart and through something and from somewhere. And it was just a simple phrase that says, First cause no harm. And sometimes with intuitions like that where you get a phrase or you get a word and it just comes and it's just packed. It's one of those things, we've all had these. We all have them probably often. And they're easy to brush off because it's just a, it's a single simple little thought. Whereas if it was this whole epistle, you might want to sit down and write a book. But sometimes those little few word phrases are so packed that it's good to hang out with them and so that was the nature of this phrase when it struck me and so immediately I said okay I'm going to change that thing on the 30th and I'm going to and that's what we're going to do and uh, I started reflecting on what am I really saying with that we all are familiar with in one sense of words or another nonviolence. if you've ever been through the Atlanta airport go down to the E-Wing at the International I was standing there yesterday reading some of this it's about Martin Luther King and one of the things they had there was these these metal signs that they had hey Taylor and they're in the display cases anybody seen that have you looked at that display if you're ever in the Atlanta airport and you have a layer layover go down to the e-terminal right in the lobby there's a beautiful beautiful display of stuff and I was looking they had this this little sign that said colored men and colored women and a sign that said whites only and it, and it struck me I had seen this thing I've seen it many times in that airport and uh it struck me how timely that was of what I would be doing tomorrow, which is today. And uh, so I read some more of it and kind of took it in because it seems to me that this is a fellow that is an exemplar of the principle of nonviolence in some ways. So we're all familiar, are we not, with Gandhi? People like this that have a way of changing the world nonviolently. Whether it's sitting down, you know, doing a, a peace march, sitting down in, in a restaurant or in front of a bus. 
or the story of Gandhi where, remember the story of Gandhi when he went to the ocean for the salt you know that story anybody not know that story it's one of the things he did and it, I may have it off in some details I'm not terribly good with details but the British government was running India and there's salt all over the place there's salt on the oceans it sits on, it sits on the beach and all you have to do is go pick it up and the British had passed laws that there was a salt tax so all the citizens of India had to pay a salt tax to the British government to have salt and so this became a thing that Gandhi says we're not going to pay tax anymore and to make our point we're simply going to walk to the ocean and pick up the salt and they started a, a walk and I don't, it was hundreds of miles I don't know if it was a thousand I don't remember how long it was and along the way people started joining in and when we got to the beach the British soldiers started beating them they got to the point they say that the soldiers were saying to the people please stop because we don't want to hit you anymore they just they were winning over the, 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 the British soldiers who were sitting there with the sticks hitting them it's a touching story isn't it and we get the impression it's an accurate perception, impression in one sense that what nonviolence is about is that level of non-harming what do you think is the likelihood that anybody in this room you don't even know everybody in this room but we have some, something in common that brings us into a room like this what do you think the likelihood of any of us in this room any one person in this room during the rest of the day what do you think the likelihood is that we're going to go beat somebody up or we're going to go violently steal something from a store or to make it extreme murder not very likely is it <laughs> so if I said to you and we don't need to literally do this but if I said to you let's take a poll how many of you are violent who would raise their hand would you raise your hand as we get talking about things like that and if we would raise our hand it's probably because we already see through this setup game that I'm playing with that but if, we, if you're not being mindful of that setup game and you're honest to yourself which we all are you will probably say, no, of course I'm nonviolent. I'm not a violent person. I get a little crazy sometimes, but I'm not violent. Separate moments. And if there are those moments, you know what I mean by those moments you ever have those moments where you feel something inside that's not so nice no <laughs> never frequently road rage <laughs> what road rage road rage Everybody here. it happens quickly doesn't it so if we shift our perception of what violence is and nonviolence, if we shift that we come to see that we're all ragingly violent 
in some sort of way. Or the potential is there. Or the potential. Boy, did he walk into that one. (laughs) Did you hear that? Did you hear what he said? He said, or the potential. Do you want to hear? Have anybody heard of the Yoga Sutras? Uh, there was a fellow, it's actually a lineage. Some people talk about whether Patan, how old was Patanjali, this fellow that wrote the Yoga Sutras. And some say it was like four or 500 BC, and some say 200 AD. An oral tradition says there's really no confusion in it at all because, in fact, Patanjali is not a person, it's a lineage. <laughs> so there's a whole bunch of people under the name Patanjali, which is kind of fun. You ready for this? I'm just playing with him. Now, he already knows this. I know the way he was saying that, or the, po- or the potential. So, but it's fun. And I still don't know. I'm still back on when he said this is a place of worship. I'm still dealing with that one. Or <laughs> <laughs> a place to be free. To it's a place to be free. Which is a place to be free, excuse me? We can be free. This is why we have fun here. It's why we can do what he said and all come together. Because there's no problem when he says worship and I get to come and say worship. <laughs> Where'd you get that? And so it's a true statement. I'm not disagreeing. I'm playing. Anybody heard of ahimsa? The word ahimsa in Sanskrit? Ahimsa. Himsa means violence or harming. Ah, when you put ah in front, it turns it around. It means non-harming, non-violence. One of the things that I have, that I have rarely, if ever, I really want to say never, but if ever, heard any teacher in any classroom or any talk talk about or for that matter any book other than a formal commentary on the yoga sutras because it's right in the yoga sutras I've rarely if ever heard anybody say is when we talk about eight wrongs of yoga if you've never heard of them that doesn't matter but one of them the starting point is ahimsa cause no harm the question becomes what should I do when I discover that I'm not doing it such as when we talk about road rage and and the potential for. What is the suggestion that we do when we're not following? Well, Patanjali says, uh, let's see. uh, When these codes of self-regulation are inhibited from being practiced due to blah, 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 one should cultivate principles in the opposite direction or contrary thought. So if I'm feeling harming, I should cultivate the opposite. If I'm feeling harming towards Bill, what would I do to cultivate the opposite? How about love? Would that sound like the opposite? I'm feeling anger towards him, and the opposite would be love. Does that sound reasonable? That's not what it says. And when I say what it says, I, don't, I, I sincerely don't mean that. Like, let's follow the gospel because it says this. I don't mean it like that. There's a different piece of advice that's given. Cultivate the opposite. The opposite of me in my minefield pushing against Bill is not pretending that I love Bill. If 
I in my mind feel push against Bill and at the same time I pretend in my mind that I love Bill what's going on in my mind field? conflict what do we call conflict? do we have conflict management classes? do we have stress management classes? we pose the question I'm all stressed out because of my boss my family my this or that and the other and what do I, what do, I do? well let's all cultivate love so I'm going to say in, my, so what, in fact what's going on in my unconscious minefield if I may I say you know that Bill he's a real jerk he does this this and this but I love him right what would be the opposite of doing this what if I just stop doing that would you like to run a little experiment of course you would do this ever so subtly so that nobody really can see what you're doing but very lightly tighten your hand just one hand just, I don't mean a big fist but just tighten the muscles of your hand what's the opposite of tightening the muscles in your hand simply stop doing it if I have the muscles of my hand tightened and even if I'm saying stop, let go, 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 I'm still doing it. There's another action in there that is a not doing. It is simply the cessation of doing. So the act of first cause no harm, of not pushing against, is not notice the paradox in it it's not something that I can do it's not a doing thing it is the cessation of what I'm doing does that make sense? when I reflected on this today I thought you know we're just before the start of a new year maybe that's why this popped into my mind popped into my mind is the notion of start with the basics Remember somebody wrote a book one time not so long ago that said everything I need to know I learned in kindergarten or something like that. And so, and, and so part of the principle is that it's not new, it's not complicated. It's back to the basics. If I change the word violence to harming, and if, you, if you're curious and you actually look closely at, at, at good commentaries on, on, on non-harming, you'll see that the way this word himsa is talked about is that it is an act of pushing. It's a gentle pushing. Or it's a medium pushing. Or it's a very strong pushing. But what it has to do with is pushing. And if you look at it in terms of, you know, the, the, what do you call the ten things in Christianity? Not the golden rule, but the ten like, commandments. So if you look at some of those things like that, or if you look at the yamas of, of yoga, and it says first do no harming but also talks about truthfulness and not stealing and regulation of your senses and not being possessive you'll find some comments that discuss that in fact all of those others are just refinements of the one that starts with no harming so truthfulness is a form of ahimsa it is a form of non-harming and if we change the word violence and when we come to English, we shop around for words. And at the grossest level is, if you're sitting in a prison, or you have a really unfortunate you know, life that you've lived, and you're caught up in craziness, 
the first place may be don't punch the guy next to you. It may start with the principle of love your neighbor as yourself. Meaning there, just don't hit him or her. Just don't do the harm at that grosser level. But it gets subtler and subtler and subtler and finer and finer. And we come to see that the core of this word, himsa, meaning the violence, is not just violence. It's the pushing itself. One of the ways that you can describe the entire process to realization of Atman or self or, or non-dual reality is non-attachment. We, we hear that sometimes. If only I was non-attached to everything. So some will say you can view this entire journey through the eyes of non-attachment. Become non-attached to everything and you'll be there. And it's a valid statement. One of the other things that you can say is a parallel. Similar, if you can say, what if I really did love everything and everybody? If I really did love everything and everybody, then there would be not there would be nothing that I didn't love. And so we may hypothesize that I would be there, and that's a complete practice unto itself. Okay? So too you can say this about this notion of harming and non-harming. Notion being, if I can actually do this. First cause no harm. And look at that in a subtler, more refined way. This has something like, first and foremost, let me cultivate internally this practice, this skill, this art, this natural way of being that I don't push against anything. No pushing. That doesn't mean don't be assertive out in the world and, and get trampled over by the that's not it. One way of assertive is very aggressive, right? Another way of assertive is very clear. It means you're, you're just immovable. Nobody can knock you over because you're so clear, you're so steady, you're so stable. It's an assertiveness that just, that just is. It doesn't demand pushing. What if I could do that without pushing? So earlier, the notion was we have the potential for harmony. Listen to this. Remember, we're trying to do, do cultivate the opposite. Actions arising out of such negative thoughts are performed directly by oneself, caused to be done through others, or approved of when done. All of these may be preceded by or performed through anger, greed, or delusion, and can be mild, moderate, or tense. Here's the solution. To remind oneself that these negative thoughts and actions are the cause of unending misery and ignorance is the contrary thought. Or principle in the opposite direction that was mentioned and recommended in the previous sutra. Notice that the suggestion was given that it doesn't matter if I have merely the potential to do it. This is what I'm playing with. I know he knows it. It's just a beautiful, he walked into it with a beautiful opportunity. It doesn't, listen carefully, it's a very subtle point. Does it matter if, you know, if I go punch Karen? Of course it matters. Let me not punch Karen, truly. But in terms of what's going on in my mind field, what if she did something to me, you know, and I'm sitting over here, you know. I think what I will do is get Ray to go get her. He'll straighten her out. You see, I haven't done it. I got somebody else to do it. I say, I didn't do it. Did you ever have a feeling that there's some real idiot in your life and just doing all sorts of crummy things 
and then you're sort of waiting and, or, or, or you know finally the, and you say well I, you know she had it coming to her you know what I'm saying did you ever feel like that the point being is that in terms of your own inner mind field your own inner process your own inner spiritual life there's no difference none because it's the inner pushing that's the problem so if I have an inner pushing and it manifests outward certainly there's greater consequence but I'm still it's still at its root pushing if I recruit somebody else to help me do the pushing so they did the pushing then I can say I didn't do anything they're still pushing right or if I tell nobody and I'm sitting home alone and in my mind field I'm pushing I'm still pushing and who gets the consequences of that pushing me so the suggestion given here first cause no harm just don't do it don't fall into the trap of just thinking that's okay well how do you just do it right what if I can't just do it what if I find myself sitting home alone and I'm still thinking those yucky things does that sound right I mean right sound familiar maybe a little bit I'm not saying it's easy but there's this notion that recognizing that, that recognizes that my problem is not what she or he did and that's not taking them off the hook whether it's a, a friend or a political leader or a group or whatever it is it doesn't matter I'm the one that's paying the price it doesn't matter whether I'm out there doing it recruiting somebody else to do it or sitting quietly home eating myself up inside and so the simple thing that's being suggested is it's a little bit like training Ava it's a little bit like training a small child how does a good parent if you're, if you're in a good mold a good place as a parent how do you train a child to clobber them over the head and say no in this angry angry tone no you, I mean you know you say it very clearly no that's not useful you may not say those words no that's not helpful that will cause you pain don't do that this is very useful do this don't do this have your parents you know I mean we don't have to be a parent to, to, to know that there's that thing that there's about clarity it's not about not doing so the comparison between the child and our mind mind in the greatest sense of what mind is about inside is to train our own mind and to simply be aware that when my mind starts to go off in this direction of himself whether it's about aggression or it's about stealing or any of those other lists of you know do's and don'ts and all those rules that's going to get us into the kingdom of heaven or some such thing like that what if I want to make it heaven here right now what if I stopped pushing what if I stopped pushing what if I stopped pushing in the incorrect belief that who I am is a body physical body that's based on ah vidya not seeing clearly what if I quit pushing on that if I did I would come to realize that I am a pranic sheath I am a being of energy 
and then I come to believe on that and then I push and push and push that that's true, that's true, that's true, that's true what if I just gently stopped pushing on the incorrect belief that who I am is, a, is an energy being that is shaped like this body and goes in and out of body and incarnates and does all that sort of stuff if I did that I would start to unco- uncover that there is something for lack of better words that we can call mental processing floats around in subtle realm and this and that and that that's who I am what if I strongly believe that and I'm pushing, pushing, pushing insisting on my belief that who I am is who I think I am and I'm not you know where I'm going with that? what if I stop pushing against that? somewhere along the way I would discover things like and here words fall apart I am the light, I am the truth Father and I are one you know Aham Brahmasmi, I am Brahman, I am that absolute reality. And so in that same sense we realize that 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 whole process of why is it that I don't experience who I really am at the deepest level of my being, whether it's called capital S self, or God, or Brahman, or Atman, or Shiva, or Shakti, or whatever it is, what if, what if in a moment I could stop pushing? Just stop pushing journey would be done and when we play with it like that we can come to see that in fact this is one of ways of holding the entire journey the entirety of spiritual life of spiritual practice of sadhana or whatever you want to call it is nothing other than that just stop pushing first cause no harm how do you do it watch when you're doing it and if you feel like there's something wrong with you because you're pushing and I failed that's wrong that's pushing (laughs) you see that's pushing on an incorrect belief system that I'm supposed to as a personality in this moment be perfect and that's not true that's a setup in fact in this very moment in terms of who I really am I am perfect I'm nothing other than that and all I have to do to know that is stop pushing. Sound easy or hard? Hard. Sounds hard. Does it also sound easy? Sounds easy. I, you pick your own words, but I personally like to discern between two words. And you can use different words. I discern between easy and simple. Just so I can, and I don't care which words you use, but it's nice to hold them both. Is to say that, you know, there really is a core simplicity to this. There really, really is a simplicity to this. All I have to do is stop pushing. And then the companion word to simplicity is easy. Then I get to say, but it's not easy. It really probably is easy, but I don't know that it's easy, so I make it complicated and it's hard and all that sort of stuff. So the net effect is, in daily life and families and work and social and all this sort of stuff, it is utterly simple, but it's not easy. As a suggestion, I want to mention this. That, and there's different ways of saying this. In yoga, four practices are suggested, four attitudes meditations are suggested. These two I rarely hear people talk about. Buddhists talk about one of them. They, they, you can go to whole weekend workshops. You can, you can, you can be part of certain traditions, and this is is basically the one thing they do. Yoga offers four meditation practices to cultivate, to practice, literally. 
it's not a replacement for that thing I just said where we're training our mind and saying, mind, this is taking me in the wrong direction. This is not useful. This is just bringing me pain, whether I'm thinking about it or, or getting somebody else to do it or, or doing it myself. That still remains, this, this wonderful, simple, grand foundation. One of the meditations is called Maitri. In Sanskrit, it's called Maitri. In Pali, it's called Metta. That's what they call Metta meditation. And it has to do with friendliness, pleasantness, lovingness, kindness. So if you imagine yourself that you sat down and you did a meditation on that, one of the easiest ways to do that is first think of some person that you know who is a loving, kind person. Bring the person into your field of mind and heart. Rest with that person. Then bring in a jerk. <laughs> a short version of this. Four, four, four suggestive. One's called karana, which means compassion or mercy. Similarly, all you have to do to prime the pump, you know, prime the pump, put a little water in the pump hard, and then you get that it flows. So to prime the pump, one of the things you can do is you can sit down, do a meditation, and you say, okay, I'm going to think about some sick person. And it may be even that jerk who you think is mentally ill. You know, okay, bring them in there. You know, if only I could get them to go to a shrink and they'd be all better. My wife, my husband, somebody. <laughs> So, or somebody that's in the hospital. Bring that person, and we all know how to feel compassion for that person. Then allow it to expand. And in your mind field, just pretend in your meditation that somehow you are holding that compassion and mercy for all of the six billion plus people on the planet and all the animals, all the trees, and all the plants. Or however you want to do that. But you prime the pump by finding one person. Second attitude. One's called mudita, which is gladness, goodwill, supportiveness. Think of some person that you know who is, or don't know, who is really benevolent, giving, loving, kind, you know, person. They're, they're, they're doing things in the world. They're creating foundations. And, and with all of these, our own minefield can, oops, have a, oops, have a tendency to, to do the opposite. So sometimes we can feel like, I haven't done enough in my life, and somebody else is doing more. And we can end up feeling bad, and we end up kind of pushing against that person. You know, you know what I mean? Does that sound familiar? There's a sort of jealousy thing that is going in our unconscious mind. I should have done something more with my life. We like to be supportive of that person, but there's a part of our mind that actually is pushing. Does that, you see what I'm saying? So one of the ways to get at that, hold the person in the mind field, feel supportiveness for the person. And gradually you start to do that with everybody. The other one is, in my pronunciation is not so hot, upekshanam, upekshanam. And it has to do with acceptance or neutrality, equanimity. And that meditation is one, prime the pump by bringing somebody to mind who you really think is a jerk or a bad guy or whatever. An attempt to hold that person, maybe just a little jerk, not a big jerk. Big jerk is harder. Little jerk is easier to work on. And literally meditate on that person for a minute and see if you can cultivate, see if you can find the inner attitude that comes up with neutrality about that person. And that doesn't mean you're accepting their behavior. The behavior is still, their answer is still, that behavior is not acceptable. But the person, and if you do that, you find that this pushing will start to recede just by holding that jerk in your mind in a meditative, prayer-filled way or whoever you're talking to. So there's, there's basic attitudes of the way we can work with that. And it, and it helps us prime the pump. It helps us practice these things. And yet at the core, at the core of the thing, there is this principle that says first cause no harm. And that the harm we're talking about at its subtlest end is not about this gross level of violence where we would all in one voice say, no, I'm not violent. I'm not a criminal. I'm not a bad guy. 
And we would be correct. But in that subtler way that what Himsa is about is pushing, gradually we push less, push less, push less, push less, push less. And so the thing, I think the timing of this when this came to mind was, was in the sense of uh, we're at a transition time. I love, somebody heard me talk, I love the notion of transitions. And we're, we're in a transition right now. Maybe a man-made calendar, maybe it's thought about as a winter solstice when the days are changing. But we're in a transition time. And we're right at the, we're at the ending point of whatever we've been doing for the whole previous part of our lives in this previous year that we know is 2007. And we're right now on the threshold of this thing that we're going to call for convenience sake 2008. And here's a little block of time, a little block of experience, a little block of life that's going to bring a whole bunch of experiences and things and stuff for each of us in this year. And, and what I'm wanting to share with you, just to suggest, consider the possibility that maybe one of the things you can play with for a year is simply the notion of pushing and not pushing. If we stop pushing, maybe we discover what love's really about. It's not an act. It's not a pretend. It's not pushing and at the same time saying, I love. Just stop pushing and maybe we find love or something. Well, I went over a little bit, but I stopped before sunset. So. <laughs>